What's up, everyone? Excited about this pod, number 18, with a dear friend and teammate throughout the year, Kieran McArdle. Kieran was a three-time All-American at St. John's, and now he is exploding in the professional ranks and killing it in both indoor and outdoor. And one thing I give him the most credit, he sort of is setting the precedent for being an American box player. So excited for you guys to listen to him and all his tendencies and his skill set that he continues to work on each and every day because it's not about just going to practice. It's about doing stuff on your own. So excited for you guys to listen to Kieran McArdle. All right, cool. We're good. All right. Awesome. Um, so we'll get started. So like I was saying, a couple water dog, a couple riptide guys. Uh, what are you up to now in between season? How are you preparing for it? Uh, I guess I'm sort of taking it day by day, I think like most, but uh, how are you sort of preparing in between seasons right now? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely weird because we don't have a definite start time for our, our indoor riptide season. Um, so really just been strength training, um, doing a lot of stretching and yoga. Uh, as I get older, I need to, you know, put that into my, my daily routine a little more here. Um, but, you know, really just keep my body in shape, trying to stay healthy um, and, uh, you know, put on put on a few more pounds for this indoor season. Um, CK, as you know, it's a lot of banging and, and things like that. So I like to be a little heavier um, come indoor season. So trying to trying to lift some weights and, and put on some weight. I think uh, just being with you and playing on the same team, I think one of the biggest things I've noticed is you probably you have all like the gadgets and all the things to help you stretch. Uh, I think you're the most avid stretcher. Uh, when did that sort of start to develop? And uh, um, why you've pretty recently, started? actually. So I've uh, I've had like pretty bad back over the past probably two to three years, um, and kind of found out it was like a pelvic like anterior pelvic tilt so like my hips like shift a certain way so um it's really like stretching out my hips really deep um and things like that and it helps loosen up my back um and you know when i'm not stretching or doing things like that my my hamstrings get real tight my lower back gets real tight um i don't have like that full rotation on my shot and things like that so it's all it's all kind of connected um with that rotational sport of, of lacrosse that we play so um, really just trying to stay on top of that. So, you know, my shot's there, um, my recovery's quicker, um, and my hamstrings aren't killing me the next day like uh, they were for a few seasons. What have you found What have you found for your, like, favorite hip stretches and just go-to, like, hip stretches before, before bed or just before practice, anything like that? Yeah, yeah, so I like to, like, put my one foot up on the couch um, and then, like, sink into, like, a deep lunge. Um, so, like, my back leg is up. And, uh, and then it gets like all in my front hip area. Um, I was like trying to stretch my hamstrings for a while and doing all these hamstring stretches. And um, it was really like I needed to stretch out my, like, uh, my quads and my front hip area um, to help relieve the pain on my back and hamstrings. So I've been trying to stay up, up with that as much as possible. Yeah, I was going to say, I hear a lot about, like, the a lot of people I feel like talk about just the hamstrings being the biggest problem with backs, but obviously the uh, the hips can be a big thing, too. And you mentioned needing to add a lot of yoga into your, your daily routines lately, and I listened to your, uh, your podcast with the Riptide this morning and heard you talking about yoga back in, back in April, too. So how long have you been 
messing around with yoga and how's that been going through Corona? Yeah, through yeah corona? so that's that's been about uh, like a year, year or two now. Um, you know, as you as you start to get older and you play um, both indoor and outdoor for for multiple years, your body really starts to take a beating, um, and and the recovery isn't as quick as you, when you were younger. Um, so you know, over these past few years is when I've uh, really been taking the the stretching and the yoga and. Uh, you know, taking care of my body way more because, um, you know, I would love to play this game as long as possible. And uh, and I realized that, you know, you have to actually put in some work with uh, taking care of your body and stretching and, and all those things to to have a longevity in your career. No doubt. hundred percent. Did you so did, like growing up, did you have any injuries, middle school, high school, college that you sort of dealt with? Or? No, no, it's actually pretty crazy. I've been very injury free, you know besides for a few poles and, you know, hamstrings and, and things like that, but, um, you know, roll the ankle. But other than that, it's, you know, I haven't had any big, I guess I had a surgery this past year with the riptide on my thumb. Um, I tore a ligament in there, but other than that, it hasn't been, I've been pretty lucky and, and injury free. Would you credit that to uh, just based off genetics or have you been sort of like lifting and working out since when you're young? I mean, I mean, I've been doing all that for a while, but I, I, I would, I would just say it's luck, honestly. I feel like you know these guys that get injured a lot and they're injury prone. I feel like they just have bad luck, honestly. Um, you know, if a play goes, goes wrong and and something just you get unlucky and and you got an ACL or whatever it is, I think I've just stayed pretty lucky in that area. That's huge. So I guess getting into your lifting and how has that sort of progressed? Uh, I guess just from the standpoint, I love hearing about it from people is just, and you're a guy who's played both indoor and outdoor, how does your workouts change for that sort of fast paced physical game versus like the long strides, I guess, outdoor game? Does it change? Um, not, not really. Um, I try to keep it pretty consistent um, with my workouts, uh, you know, lifting weights, making sure I'm doing sprints. Um, and things like that but for the most part you know all year round it stays pretty consistent um after each season i like to take you know a week or two off um really let the body heal and recover um and then and then get right back into it um but you know like i said speed strength training you know lifting weights i got i feel like i gotta you as an athlete you got to do all of them you know you can't just you know strength train you got to be able to do speed and agility and then have that endurance factor in there as well how have you how have you been doing with just the speed or the speed stuff but more so like the lifting and like high intensity stuff um for strength how have you been doing with that stuff through corona with just limited access to gyms what have you been kind of doing with that stuff yeah, yeah it definitely was tough in the beginning uh i didn't have any weights or anything um and i'm living in living in the city with my fiance so we have a, a small apartment that we're living in um, so I would just go out to a field um, and, you know, try to try to do like hit workouts where you're doing a bunch of push-ups, sit-ups. Uh, CK and I were texting back and forth and our, and our teammate John Radigan just trying to come up with different variations of, you know, workouts that we could possibly do. Um, but then, you know, as things went along, um, there was a gym that I used to go to out on Long Island, uh, Revolution Athletics, uh, great trainer. And uh, he was doing like very small groups. So, uh, you know, t uh, another pro, Tommy Kelly, uh, plays for the chaos. We were out there working out, um, getting our workout in. And, uh, you know, gyms are starting to open back up now. So things are a little bit more normal in that aspect. 
I guess uh, getting into, I think we've talked about a bunch in the last couple pods is uh, just the basis of lacrosse being a skilled game versus an athletic game. And uh, I think going into this season, the water dog season, I focus more on just having my stick in my hands more often than not. Do you try to, I guess with your seven day week, do you try to get your stick in your hands two to three times versus over a lift or what is more important to you? Um, I try to keep it balanced. So, I mean, throughout the week, I'm coaching probably at least three days a week where I have the stick in my hand. Um, you know, obviously not the same as if you're going out and, and shooting and training on your own. Um, but I, I try to stay after my practices that I'm coaching and, and try to get my reps in. So I would say I probably pick up my stick, um, you know, three to four times a week. And then lifts are, lifts are about the same. Um, three to four times a week as well, uh, you know, depending on how much time and, and things I have. But for the most part, I try to try to get it both in three to four times a week. Have you ever experimented with like, hey, maybe I played this game, I played really good and I didn't have my stick for two weeks or? Yeah, so I have. Yeah, I definitely have before. And it's it's funny because some of my best games you know, I just, I, for some reason, didn't pick up my stick all week. And, uh, you know, I had a great game. And But then I've, like, tried that again before, um, you know, other weeks. And it's been, been a pretty bad game. So I try to just stay consistent. You know, good good game, bad game. Uh, try not to let it get to my head too much on, on if I should do more or less. I think, you know, shooting more is probably always the best, best bet there. But, uh, you know, I've had good games and bad games, you know picking up my stick a lot and, and then not picking up my stick so much. So going, going back to kind of your beginnings of playing the sport and growing up, I heard you mention you were always a big basketball player as well um, in high school. What was kind of your earliest experience with lacrosse and when did you kind of pick it up and why did you kind of do that? And just how did you kind of balance lacrosse and basketball through high school up until college when you decided to stick with lacrosse? Yeah, so I mean, uh, you know, I can't I can't even remember the first time I picked up a stick. I mean, my dad, he played in high school. Um, he went on to play soccer in college. But, um, you know, growing up on Long Island, it's it's very big at a young age. So I remember I went uh, the town that I lived in actually didn't have it in kindergarten. Um, so I went to the town over over from me um, and, you know, I started playing organized lacrosse in, in kindergarten. Um, and then, you know, as, as I was growing up, I was, you know, playing basketball, soccer, football. Um, you then got to high school and, and just wanted to, you know, keep it to two sports and have one season off. Uh, so I just stuck with basketball uh, and lacrosse. Um, and, you know, I was, just, I was just better at lacrosse. So that's kind of what drew me into the, uh, the college scene and, you know, kind of just took off with it from there. What was your when you were playing when you were balancing both? How how serious were you about basketball? How much time were you putting into basketball in the off season? Were you kind of keeping your stick in your hands while playing basketball, or just focusing on lacrosse most of the year? What was your split kind of like with that? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I I would play. Um, you know, I was playing AAU basketball growing up, so it was I was pretty involved in it. Um, but lacrosse for me kind of always came first. Um, you know, I, I think outside of. Uh, you know, actually playing with a team, uh, basketball, I would, I would really play with my friends, um, and lacrosse, like I would actually train on my own. So I was always taking lacrosse a lot more serious than, than basketball. Basketball was just something that was always fun for me. Um, but lacrosse was something that I knew that I really want to pursue, um, you know, at the next level and division one level.
And then with, with that, what would you say, if any, just kind of benefits going from, from lacrosse, lacrosse to basketball or basketball to lacrosse? Just any, any similarities between the two or anything that stuck out that you had to kind of work on to, to get ready for lacrosse after basketball? But any positives you got from, from the two? Yeah, I think, you know, just, just staying in, in physical shape for sure. Uh, basketball, it's a lot of up and down, a lot of running. Um, and then I think, you know, a lot of a lot of the movements and, and the motion of offense is is very similar to at least the indoor game. Um, but there is a lot of a lot of similarities in the outdoor game as well. You know, you run a lot of two man game and, you know, give and goes, passing and cutting. Um, but the thing that I think that helped me in basketball was you, you have to play defense, too. So you're working on like, you know, some lateral speed, uh, you know, like backpedaling, things like that. So I think. You know, just playing both ends of the floor in basketball is is just good as a as a young athlete for sure because you have to work on not just running straight forward and not just playing offense or not just playing defense. You're you're on both ends of the floor, so I think that's great a great thing about basketball. Definitely, yeah. I I want to get in the box game a little bit, uh, but going like playing basketball and lacrosse and thinking about just like. Uh, there's so many great athletes that are now in the pros that you played in college. Uh, and then their skill level sort of picks up when they have their stick in their hands a ton, especially in college, like yourself going to St. John's and just exploding and now being an awesome player in the PLL. When did you sort of figure out maybe it was in high school or even college, like you started to learn the game more and you started to pick up on moves and tendencies and be like, wow, I can do this or this actually works in that game. When did you become like more of a student of the game? Yeah, yeah. I think I think mainly my senior year of high school. That's kind of when my game like took off to the next level. Um, I think uh, we had a real good team actually. My senior year, we had a, a lot of good players that you know committed to good places. So I think it was just like playing with them, and then going versus um, Mike Pellegrino, who played at Hopkins at a at a um, you know a few years in the MLL. He was. He was always guarding me at practice. We went to high school together. So, you know, just going versus him every single day definitely made me a better player. Um, and then going into college, you know, Division One, my first year as a freshman and I'm starting, it was a little bit of a shell shock and the game was a lot faster. Um, so, you know, after my freshman year, things, things actually started to slow down for me. Um, you know, we started watching more and more film as you get to college. Um, so, so being able to watch yourself play definitely helps a lot too. Um, so, you know, just studying film and uh, kind of critiquing things that didn't work and then, you know, sticking to the things that do work uh, really well has helped my game for sure. Yeah, with that, I guess just personally for you, like I, I've spoken on a couple things that like worked for me. I know like that I just had those aha moments. Uh, is there parts of your game that you sort of like that your strengths that you try to work on, uh, whether that's like behind the cage on the wing? I think you're so deceptive and able to use your body well. Are there things you focus on not to give up your your game here? But uh, is there? Yeah, I mean, I think in college I was like a more of a an ex attackman that used both hands like very well. Um, and then I think as the pro, as I got into the pros and I was more on that left side, um, and then playing a lot of indoor, um, I became like a predominantly left-handed player. Um, so I had to figure out more and more ways to, to get to my left hand or get to my top side. So um, I think, you know, my game changing a little bit, um, you know, moving from college into the pro and then into the NLL, 
um, you know, I had to come up with other ways to, to kind of get to my strong hand because as my strong hand got a little stronger, my weak hand also got weaker. So I felt more confident getting to my, you know, getting to my left side and, and getting to my strong hand. So I think that that was my main thing of, you know, realizing that I'm, I'm more in this low left wing area. So let me let me play to my strengths here and, and get real good at, at my left hand and getting top side and, you know, using my body to get to certain areas on the field. Right. To go like more in depth with uh, just, I think you're unreal. at just like taking on contact and knowing when to, knowing when to roll, knowing when to attack the top hand uh, based off like how a defender's playing you, like what are some like, I guess, sequences that you could sort of talk about uh, and when you're attacking a defender on what you're thinking. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the first thing is you want to attack him head on north-south. Um, you know, you want to get the defenseman backpedaling, um, moving backwards as you're, as you're running full speed at him. And then I like to make a move, um, usually a, a hard left-to-left split, and, uh, and run full speed and try to get top side there. Um, and then I kind of make a decision from there. Um, you know, if I feel him heavy on my top side, which a lot of teams like to do, they like to try to force me back underneath. Um, you know, I, I try to, you know, keep fighting, keep fighting. And then, you know, when he gets so heavy top side and I have a good angle to roll back, um, you know, that's when I try to roll back and, and, you know, get to my right hand or I could get back underneath to my left hand. Um, but I think mainly is, is dodging full speed head on and then just kind of feeling where that defenseman is on your back and, and you know, really... As an offensive guy, you dictate where you want to go on the field. So um, you have to be physical in the game of lacrosse, and, and you have to dictate that uh, on your own. And you can't let the defenseman push you around and, and get to areas on the field that they want you to get to. When you when you mentioned you mentioned taking a big leap from going into your senior year of high school, and then another big leap when it kind of sped up, going from your freshman to sophomore year of college. When you look at those two kind of leaps, do you remember anything that you changed in either the way that you were preparing or, or training on your own? But just as far, like you've mentioned the, a lot of film work, but just as far as like focusing on yourself and what you're doing by yourself, do you remember anything that stuck out or changed like leading up to those leaps kind of? Yeah, yeah. I think I think in high school for me, it was, uh, it was starting to lift weights. Um, you know, I started probably lifting weights around, you know, 10th grade and then, you know, really progressing and, and really lifting more and more after that. Um, but I was like, I was a late bloomer in high school. Um, so, you know, all these guys were a lot bigger than me, a lot stronger than me. Um, and then, you know, as I started to develop and, and lift more weights, I think uh, that's what really got me to, you know, take my game to the next level. Because I always felt like my stick skills were there and, you know, my IQ and my vision and, and my uh, lacrosse abilities were there. Um, but I think, you know, just putting a little bit more size on and, and not being such a such a complete string bean, um, you know, helped me out to uh, progress my game. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's a huge part. Uh, for you, I guess, going in with that, uh, how was your recruiting process? Um, Obviously, St. John's is not a, a prominent school, but obviously you put them on the map, I'd say. And uh, yeah. obviously you wouldn't want to change anything uh, as of right now. But, like, well, how would your recruiting process go and uh, how did it work out for you? Yeah, yeah. so for me, um, you know, I, I did everything that I could possibly do. You know, you go to Top 205, Peak 200, all those, all those recruiting camps uh, when we were growing up. 
um, you know, play in the tournaments um, and, and things like that. But, you know, the, the high division one offers just, just weren't there. Um, and, you know, obviously that was my dreams to, to go play high division one and, and win a national championship like you boys. Um, but, uh, it, you know, I, I had St. John's, I had Sacred Heart, um, I had Robert Morris were like my top three division one schools. And then, you know, I had a bunch of division one, uh, a bunch of division two schools that were, you know, here on Long Island where I grew up. Um, but I really wanted to focus on division one. I. I wanted to, you know, try to play at the, at the top level. Um, and then St. John's was in the Big East, and they really sold me on, you know, playing teams like, Sir, at the time, Syracuse and Notre Dame and Georgetown um, and Denver. So I wanted to, you know, play versus the best um, and, and try to elevate my game. Uh, so I think that was that was probably the main selling point. And then, you know, I, I didn't really have many other offers. So, um, you know, I was, I was very happy with my decision, you know, after – after my four years there, had some great friendships, uh, great memories, some great wins. Um, but, you know, a national championship would have been uh, would have been real nice. But, you know, there's uh, there's always some pros and cons that come out of it. And, and I wouldn't trade anything uh, in the world because I had a great time at St. John's. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned your goal being to win a national championship and not getting that. But a lot of pros and cons still what would you how would you define success based on your time in college without the words you know winning a championship yeah yeah I mean I think from when I got there to when I left or I should say from the year that you know my whole class got there to the year my whole class left because there were a lot of good players that that came in my year um that we all you know we worked real hard to to get uh you know I think we were at one point ranked top 10 or number 10 in the country you know we we made the big east championship we beat notre dame two times um so i think things like that um you know accomplishing things that st john's has never accomplished before um could measure some of the success uh while while uh while i was there and then with st john's being a, a little bit of a smaller school probably not pumping out as many pro players as say a maryland um, when did you realize that you were one of the best players in the country, whether or not you were at St. John's and start to realize that you could and wanted to pursue playing professionally? Um, you know, I'd probably say it was, it was like sophomore, end of my sophomore year. Um, we made the Big East tournament and, uh, we were going, we were, we were the four seed and we were going versus Notre Dame, who was the one seed. Um, and we upset them eight, eight, seven, and, and we made it to the championship. Um, but <laughs> I was in like an interview after that and they were, one of the guys was like, yeah, like had a real good season. Like you, you just did great versus Notre Dame. Like you have any thoughts of like ever transferring? And I was just like, uh, wait a minute, like still got another game to play and, and the rest of my yeah. career here. But I think, you know, like that year I got honorable mention all American. So it was kind of, uh, it was kind of like an eye opening experience for me because, uh, Freshman year, I didn't have I had I played you know I I contributed but I didn't have like a standout year, um, like I did in my sophomore season. You mentioned you mentioned the guy asking you if you ever thought about transferring. Did you, I mean you never transferred, but did that ever go through your head? And why did you ultimately decide to to stick with St. John's? 
Uh, um, you know, after he said that to me, I, I thought about it for a second, but I, I love the coaching staff there. Um, I had, I made great friends while I was there. Um, you know, I had a, a great experience the whole time. So it was never really uh, a thought in my mind. And, you know, the grass isn't always greener. So I was happy where I was. Um, you know, I was, I was playing, I was having fun. And, you know, so I, I think those are the main things that, uh, you know, matter, matter when you're at school. Yeah. Um, so I guess going back to, if you were to tell yourself, uh, like when you were 13 or 14, like on the come up, when lacrosse started to become more prominent of the sport you tried to pursue, like, what would you tell yourself now, knowing the things like lifting, like skill stuff, like the mentality of lacrosse, what would you tell yourself, uh, as a kid? Um, you know, I think growing up, I had a, a pretty good work ethic. Um, and, and I worked pretty hard and, and developing my game. But the thing that I preach to, to the kids that I coach now is like every kid that plays lacrosse goes to lacrosse practice. So if you go, if you just show up to lacrosse practice, you're doing the bare minimum as a lacrosse player. So what I always preach is you gotta, you gotta go home and you gotta put in the work when no one else is watching because every single kid in the country that is playing lacrosse right now goes to practice. All right, so if you just show up to practice and you think you're working hard at practice, I bet you that's not going to be enough if you want to make it to the next level. So I think the, the number one thing is, is you have to put in the work on your own when no one's watching, and you have to put in a lot of hours of work on your own. I think any guy that, that has made it to pro the professional level understands that and, and has done that in their past. Um, you know, obviously we're good athletes and we're skilled players, but if you don't put in the work, then, then you're not going to make it in, uh, to the top to the top of the, the game. When you when you learned, when you personally learned that and realized how important or the payoff that can come with putting that extra extra work in outside of practice, was there any coaches, your dad, that, that kind of really instilled that in you, whether it be someone that was a huge mentor to you and you wanted to be like them and saw them working hard or just someone that, that told you, kind of showed you the way, but just any any mentors or anyone you emulated growing up? Yeah, yeah, I think for sure my dad, um, you know, he was always in the backyard with me growing up, having a catch with me, um, doing all those things. But I think the main thing is that I, I always had fun doing it. So, like, if, for me, it was never like, oh, man, I got to go in the backyard and, and shoot a bunch of shots. Like, it was like, oh, nice. Like, when I get home from school, like, I'm going to go in the backyard and shoot a bunch of shots. So, I think for me, it was it was always about having fun with it um, and, you know, and I just understood at a, at a young age because of my dad that, you know, you had to put in the extra work to be successful. No doubt. Uh, was there people that you went into the backyard and tried to emulate? Whether Did you look up to any people? Did you follow anybody lacrosse-wise? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was definitely the pals growing up for me. Um, you know, I, I played with Casey a, a few years in, uh, in Florida, and uh, it was funny. I, I still have, like, a lacrosse ball that he signed when I went to his camp when I was a little guy. So it was, it was definitely the Powell brothers that I was, you know, always trying to be like and, and emulate in the backyard for sure. When you, when you were looking up to, to the Powells growing up and then got the chance to, to play with them, was there anything surprising about their work ethic or what they'd done in the past or anything you learned from them and added to your routines or habits that, you know, it was working well for them. So you wanted to try it out for yourself. 
I think the the main thing that I learned from Casey is just his love for the game. Um, you know, he was 40 years old and won MVP of the league. Um, and every single time he was just so happy to be out on the field. Like, you know, he, he just loved the game so much. Um, and I think that contributes to the success that he has had because obviously he's a, an all-world player and, and one of the, the greatest ever play. Um, so it was real cool to see how much he loved the game and how much he loved being out there, um, you know, every every single weekend. Was there was there anything that he was doing out of the ordinary to to keep his body right or anything like that? You mentioned MVP <laughs> at forty. Probably don't hear that too often in any sport. Uh, maybe like Tom Brady. I got. I don't think he's won an MVP then. But just anything that you were like, wow, I can't believe this dude's doing this at forty. I, I mean, I was very surprised because he would like barely stretch and he would just go out there and, and tear it up. So I, I don't know what his magic potion is, but I would like some of that because he would barely stretch. He would, you know, get some shots in and he would be ready to go and, you know, have four and four every single night. So it was pretty impressive. Yeah, I think it's it comes down to a mentality type thing. Uh, do you do anything to focus on, like, uh, I guess, to, to refocus or to help yourself uh, get that, like, I guess, passion or determination, anything you work on mentally uh, to get you dialed in? Um, I think really for me, it's just like, I haven't won anything in lacrosse besides for at the youth level, like a few tournaments. Um, so I'm, I'm chasing after a championship. You know, I wanna, I wanna get one in my career. Um, you know, I've been playing, playing the pro game for a while. Um, and, and, you know, I got, got nothing to show for it right now. So I'm hoping to get a ring, um, you know, in, in the near future here. So that's, that's been my motivation, and that's something that keeps me driving every single day. Along, along those lines, looking back through your career, any, any major setbacks or failures that you learned from and grew from and kind of helped you become more successful as a player? Um, yeah, I mean, I... I I wouldn't say major, you know, like I haven't had any major injuries or anything like that. Like haven't really lost. Like, I guess, you know, when you, when you look back, it's, it's some of those losses. Um, but honestly, like I haven't even played in a championship game yet. <laughs> so I think, you know, like, like losing in a championship game would probably be one of those things where you, you know, you look back on and, and you kind of think like, what could I have done better? Um, but but some seasons, you know, you look back on when you, you didn't perform the way you wanted to and, and you kind of look at what you want to change or what you could change and things you can do differently. Um, so I think reflecting as a whole, you know, after each season is uh, is real big. I guess with that, are, were there any notable learning experiences that maybe like, hey, I need to refocus here or I need to put more effort here? Uh, were there any those learning experiences? Um, I think a few, a few times, maybe I, I felt a little bit out of shape where I'm like, all right, like you really got to dial in, uh, some of your endurance work and, and work on some of that. Um, but for the most part, you know, I try, like I said, I try to keep my, my workouts pretty consistent and, you know, try not to make too many excuses for, you know, either playing bad or, you know, having a bad game or anything like that. So if I try to keep everything pretty consistent, you know, hopefully I could, uh, you know, continue to play for a while and, and still perform at a high level. No doubt. With, with that, sorry, Connor, with uh, just getting your, your performance to the highest level, working on your endurance, have you always been or are you serious about what you're putting into your body as far as nutrition? And if so, when did that start? 
Um, yeah, I've always been pretty conscientious of that. Um, I would say, you know, in, in college you could kind of get away with, with eating a little bit of whatever you want, but for the most part I still ate pretty healthy. I always, I always just kind of stayed away from fast food, um, you know, and things like that. So I, I don't have like a crazy strict diet. Um, that I like make sure I follow, but I make sure that, you know, I, I eat healthy throughout the day and, you know, I'm getting my fruits and vegetables in and, um, you know, not eating fast food and not drinking soda and things like that. So, um, you know, no real rhyme or reason to it, but just making sure I put healthy things into my body. Is there anything that you want to experiment with, whether that's a diet, a workout plan or anything like that going forward? So I did, I did try the, uh, the no meat for a little while, a um, little bit of, I mean, I wouldn't say it was fully vegan because I would still have like some cheese and stuff like that, but I did the no meat for a little while. Um, you know, for me, I didn't really see much of a difference um, in anything. And, you know, I kind of like my steaks and my chicken. So I went back to eating that, but um, no, not really in the, in the future. I don't really plan on changing much. I kind of feel like I have a uh, pretty healthy diet right now. And I like the way, uh, way that my body feels so when you when you cut meat out did you feel like any anything any negatives or anything did you have any like energy issues or anything like that or why did you go back to meat besides liking meat um there wasn't really much of a change uh i didn't really notice anything i think like my energy might have went up a little bit because i was like eating way more carbs um like i was like taking down like way more rice and, and pasta and things like that um but I think as an athlete, you kind of have to have a well-balanced, uh, well-balanced uh, diet where you have, you know, you have your meats, you have your carbs, you have your fats, um, and, you, and you get all those in. I think that's the way my body works the best, and I know it's different for everyone. Um, so it's kind of, you know, trial and error and what you, what you think works best for you. Completely agree. And I guess for, for kids listening and asking, uh, like, questions – are there any bad recommendations you hear in lacrosse, uh, whether that's on or off the field that uh, like kids hear and they're like, oh, uh, that they continue to do it. There are any bad things? Um, I, I don't know if it's the kids or the coaches or parents, but like you see more and more of these kids um, just playing one sport and not being multi-sport athletes. And I think that's, that's hurting a lot of these kids. Um, you know, like I said earlier with the basketball, like you learn how to play defense, you learn how to run the pick and roll, you, you know, you stay in shape, you're doing different cuts um, and different movements uh, all over the field or all over the court. And I think that, you know, if you're doing just one sport, you're doing those same exact cuts, you're doing those same exact drills. Um, and I think you're, a higher risk to getting injured um and you're not you're not just you're not developing as a full a full athlete um and i think you know whatever sport it is besides lacrosse or you know i think being a multi-sport athlete will only help your lacrosse game or only help your basketball game or only help your football game whatever it is that you're playing um you know there's you know like golf or baseball with the hand-eye coordination and things like that you know it only helps in lacrosse as well so i think being a multi-sport athlete is, is a huge thing that, you know, I think a lot of us players try to pre preach because that's what we did growing up. Um, so I think that's that would probably be the main thing I would tell kids. Yeah, yeah, we've definitely, definitely heard that a lot. As far as lacrosse being a balance of, like, skill and athleticism, 
and kind of trying to allocate what you're putting in to those things. How much do you think lacrosse is like on a scale, like if 50, 50 is just, you know, half skill, half athleticism. What do you think lacrosse, where, where do you think lacrosse falls on that scale? Um, you know, I think it's different obviously for the indoor game and the outdoor game. I think the, the indoor game is, is more skill um, than athleticism. And honestly, I think, I think the outdoor game is, is progressing in that way as well. Um, I don't think you really see the downhill, you know, north-south, big midi dodges as much as you did probably eight to ten years ago. Um, so I would say probably, you know, I would say outdoor game is probably about 60-40 um, skill to athleticism. Um, and then indoors probably like 75 to 25 um, skill, skill being higher uh, in the indoor game. And when did you start playing the indoor game? Um, so this will be my fifth season now, going in, going into my fifth season. So you didn't play it all like growing up? No, no, I uh, didn't have any experience. When I was growing up, we played indoor, you know, six, up, six by six with a, a normal goalie in the net. And uh, it was it was no box rules. It was just you know in in outdoor lacrosse and an indoor facility because it was snowing outside. And then since you started started picking up the indoor game, how have you felt if you felt the benefit? But how have you felt that benefited the outdoor game? Yeah, I mean definitely you know keeping the stick in your hand at a at a game speed all year round. Um, but for me, I think it it just slowed everything down. You know. When you're in tight corners in that indoor game, it's 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 very fast game, and you have to make very quick decisions, um, and be precise with them. And then I think when I went to my out the outdoor game, you know, you have the big field and, and more space, so it, it kind of slowed everything down even more so. Um, so I think that was the main thing of of playing uh, the indoor game. So if you're grown up, uh, the indoor game and the outdoor game are pretty. Uh, similar in like uh, like collegiately which sport I guess which indoor or outdoor are you choosing uh, so I, did I play both of them growing up played them both growing up and there you had a choice to go to collegiately uh, you can win a national championship in indoor or an outdoor which route are you going to take just based off the sport purely um, I think I'm just still biased to the outdoor game I think just because I've, you know, I've grew up playing it. I love it. Um, and I'm, I think I'm a little bit better at the outdoor game. So for me, I just, I just like the outdoor game better, but I think, um, in the point of my career, when I, you know, decided to play indoor, it was, it was a nice new challenge for me and, and something that was almost, I mean, pretty much a whole new sport. Uh, you know, I, you know, CK going out there, you don't know anything like you, you don't know, like running out on the floor, the first time, first game, even with a few practices and a few scrimmages under your belt, you have no clue what's going on. So I think it was, right. uh, you know, it was just a real uh, cool experience, a new experience um, and something exciting while still playing uh, lacrosse. Just talking about the indoor and outdoor, the landscape between just being a professional, uh, I think there's pros and cons to both leagues. Uh, what would you say that you love about both leagues? Uh, what do they bring to the table? Um, the indoor definitely like that playing in an arena with like, you know, you go to some of these, some of these arenas that have, you know, 15,000 fans and, you know, music's playing while you're, while you're playing and like, they're right there on the boards. Um, and, and that whole atmosphere, 
I think is is really cool playing indoor and something that like you know playing outdoor we didn't really experience that much um and then the outdoor you know obviously with the pll um you know they do a great job of of media and things like that but but being able to play on like nbc and on the main stage um has been awesome you know i have coaches and friends that i haven't talked to in in a pretty long time you know reaching out to me saying hey like nice game saw you play uh this past weekend so i think the exposure um that we're getting in the pll has been has been pretty cool what was what was the hardest hardest thing to pick up going to the indoor game like the most surprising difficulty that you faced um i mean definitely shooting it's it's very hard to score that ball you know such a big big goalie with all that equipment on and in a small net um is has been difficult but then i would i would also say like just the motion offense um, you know, setting picks and, and moving off ball is something that, you know, I'm not really used to, uh, especially, you know, even in the outdoor game, uh, you know, that like moving around and things like that. So sometimes in the indoor game, you, you feel like you're, you're just running around like a chicken with its head cut off. Um, but getting that motion down in the indoor game was, is something that, you know, I'm still, I'm still learning to this day. So, um, definitely that for the most part. Have you you mentioned watching a lot of film of yourself in the outdoor game? Have you watched a lot of film of yourself in the indoor game too? Um, you know, for the most part, I try to. Well, in the beginning, I was trying to watch other players, um, you know, so I could actually really learn the game and and develop as a player. Um, and then as you know, I started to develop a little more and more. Um, I would watch myself and and you know, kind of discover things that I I could should never do again and then other things that worked for me um that i could can continue to do within my game so i think you know in the beginning it was it was watching other people play um and, and learning the game and then you know as i started to develop more and more it was uh critique crit, critiquing my own game any any specific that you remember sticking out where it was like i should definitely never do that again <laughs> um yeah actually my first game uh ever playing i i like dove across the crease and just completely like took out the goalie and then turned around and there were three guys like trying to beat me up so after that I realized when I dive you should dive across the crease and and not land on the land in the goalie because that's a big no-no Letting <laughs> rules I didn't drop the Mets he's dropped them no I actually did have to drop them there but it, it kind of just went to the ground after that it was it wasn't really much of a a fight there you had a what do you have under your belt nowadays two uh three but one one where we actually like were like you want to go and we like drop drop the gloves took off our helmet and like actually score up um and then the other two were just kind of you know jersey pulling and and trying to rip off the helmets um, and then it kind of just goes to the ground or the refs break it up. You and Withers, too. <laughs> Withers. I don't want anything to do with Withers. Teammates. Withers would be my ass. So I guess going to uh, talking about the landscape of lacrosse and you growing it, obviously start, uh, being a part of the, the Rush program in Long Island. Uh, coached a bunch of them. They're awesome players. Uh, how do you see the, grow, uh, the game changing? Uh, just from when you were uh, growing up versus now, and where do you see it in, I guess, when they're uh, possibly a professional in like 15 years? 
I think I think the uh, the skill level has has went you know through the roof. I see, you know I see some of these kids in like fifth grade you know doing you know some of the moves that like Lyle's doing like these behind the backs and shovel passes and you know all these things and I'm like I could I could barely still do that at you know at a professional level. So I think the skill um, that some of these kids that are uh, that are coming up have uh, and the creativity that they're playing with is is pretty cool um so you know if it continues to grow that way it's going to be uh, a real fun game to watch in the next 20 years if you if you imagine lacrosse and in, in 10 years best case scenario for the sport whatever that may be in your head i guess a what would that kind of look like for you and b if you had a magic wand with unlimited resources to try kind of get it to that point plant the seed what would you do um, I think first, you know, obviously, you know, filling out football stadiums, um, would be my vision of, of, you know, what, what the game should be like and, and where it should go, you know, like every Saturday, you know, professional game going on. Um, and then I think, you know, the magic wand of just being able to have, um, equipment in, in every part, lacrosse equipment in every part of the world, really. You know, I think a lot of uh, areas don't don't have access to, to lacrosse equipment, so um, that kind of deters them from playing the game. So, I mean, really just getting a stick in, in everyone's hand, and, you know, I think they'll have that, that same feeling that a lot of us did when we first picked up the stick. So I think I think that would be a huge thing of just, you know, getting sticks in, in, in guys' hands that, you know, have never even seen the sport before. Yeah, I heard I heard you talking when I was listening to your Riptide thing this morning. I heard you talking about getting some sticks in hands and growing, growing the game a little bit with some kids in, in the Manhattan area that had never played. Um, what's been your experience with that stuff? How did you kind of – were you in, like, the PE program there and were like, all right, we should add lacrosse to the curriculum? Um, just kind of just what was that process like for you to start introducing the sport to kids and with kids that you've seen really excel in the sport, is there anything that, that stands out from what they're doing for kids that have made really great, really great progress? Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm in, I'm, like you said, I'm a PE teacher in upper Manhattan, um, and it's predominantly Hispanic, uh, speaking area. So, the kids have actually never even seen lacrosse before. So, um, you know, I, this is my third year teaching there. So when I got there, that was something that I wanted to bring to them like immediately. Um, so, you know, I had warriors send me out a bunch of fiddlesticks um, and, and added it to my curriculum. Um, and, you know, the principal was real supportive of it and, and the kids love it. You know, they, they have that, that smile on their face when they're playing and, and, and it's something real cool that I could share with them and new. Um, you know, obviously a lot of games and sports that we do, um, the kids have seen before, but this is new and exciting for them. Um, so it's been pretty cool uh, to really see them get excited because, you know, on Long Island, it's, it's, it's very normal. And everyone is, you know, a lot of people play it and everyone's used to seeing lacrosse sticks. And so the first time I brought them out, the kids are like, Mr. McCardle, like, what is that, a tennis racket? Like, they didn't even know what a lacrosse stick was. So um, being able to introduce the game to them has been uh, pretty awesome. And then with, with the kids, so I'm kind of just asking, I'm currently in the midst of interviewing for a position with uh, Harlem Lacrosse, and it'd be like getting a lot of kids who are cut, like underprivileged and they're, they kind of partner up with different schools and then you coach the teams and kind of introduce them to the sport and try to get them to you know help them reach their goals. But with kids that you've seen 
really take the sport on really well. Is there anything that you specifically told them to do or just anything that they, you see them doing that you think is the reason that they're having the success and sticking with it? Um, it's kind of hard to tell because, you know, in, in, in gym, it's, you know, it's, they get it two times a week. So what I really notice is the more athletic students are the ones that kind of pick up the game a little quicker. Um, but I think, you know, just having the stick in your hand as much as possible, you know, getting comfortable with that, with that ball and the stick and, you know, being able to cradle and, and catch and throw and, you know, things like that, I think is, is the main thing of, of just keeping the stick in your hand as much as possible. Yeah. And I think, uh, a good segue is just like, I think this, this summer has been the most uh, I've been educated on just the inclusion and the diversity of the sport that we're trying to focus on, uh, being a predominantly white sport. And uh, I think growing up for me personally, I never really acknowledged it or noticed it and tried to make it a difference. But obviously after this summer of speaking with Jules, guys like Ty Warner and them making that alliance and making us more aware uh, in towards of just including black athletes and people of diff different races. And I think that's what's going to be great for this sport. Uh, so I guess in your experience, how have you sort of uh, been a great teammate uh, to possibly another black athlete or helped uh, this sport grow and be more diverse? Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, first and foremost, it's, it's being supportive, you know, like listening, um, acknowledging, and then, you know, letting them, letting them know that you have their back, um, you know, that they're not in this fight alone. Um, that you're that you're there, you know, helping them, you know, you, I'm, you know, I'm trying to do my part and, you know, getting sticks in, in, in some, uh, some of these communities that, you know, don't, don't have the, uh, the privilege to be playing and, and growing up like, like some of us did. So I think mainly, you know, just being supportive, letting them know that you have their back no matter what, um, and you're always there for them, I think is, uh, is the main thing that, that I could do at this point. Yeah, 100%. It's going to be huge for our growth as a sport, so. It's definitely, uh, definitely a key part. Um, I guess we'll start to uh, to wrap up here. In terms of, I think COVID has been uh, a crazy situation. How have the sort of like maybe what social media accounts have you extracted the most from? What have you learned during COVID? What have been some bright spots uh, that you've sort of focused on during this time? Um, let's see, I think, I think really just taking a step back and like, um, you know, and enjoying like life really, um, you know, I think pre COVID it was, you know, from indoor to outdoor, you know, training, coaching, teaching, like it was always on the go. Like I, you know, I would, I would teach all week. I would work out all week. I would shoot all week fly out on a Friday, play on a Saturday, fly home Sunday, and then I would, you know, coach pretty much all day on Sunday with my rush program and then, you know, wake up on Monday and, and do the same thing over. Um, so I think really just, you know, having some downtime right now, um, you know, or a few months, a few months ago, having some downtime is, has been really good, you know, just kind of getting the mind and body right um, and hitting a little bit of a reset button um, and getting all my cards in line. Um, you know, for this next uh, next push in my career, I think has been a main main thing for me. Do you uh, do you see yourself kind of sticking with that after Corona? So say things go back to normal 
next summer? And are you still looking to do you see the value and kind of giving yourself some of that personal time to really reflect and just taking the moment? Is that something you plan on kind of implementing a little more and taking some time for yourself going forward? Uh, um, I would like to, I don't know if, uh, if it's possible, um, you know, with all the stuff I have going on, you know, I don't want to put any, any of those things down. You know, I love to coach, I love to play and I love to teach. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll take my time when, when my playing career is over and I'll have some weekends free, but you know, for the, for the most part right now, it's, uh, it's full force ahead. Yeah. As long as you love what you're doing, that's, uh, definitely a good thing. doesn't feel like, feel like work as much for you, I guess. In the in the past, say four or five years, have there been any new habits or routines that you've picked up and have seen a ton of benefit or value in since you started doing that stuff? Uh, um, I think, like we talked about earlier, the yoga um, and really taking care of your body. Uh, you know, I, I I used to be able to wake up on a Sunday and and not feel sore, um, and now you know, fast forward a few years and and I wake up on Sunday and and I'm pretty banged up, so. I think really just taking care of the body, eating right, training right, and uh, you know stretching and, and doing all those things have have been a main part in, in you know hopefully keeping my career going long long term. Yeah. Um, any? Are you are you a reader? <laughs> I want I want to be. I just uh, whenever I sit down, my you know I just my mind just starts wandering, and it's never uh, it's never how I envision it going. What about, what about like podcasts or anything like that? I mean, the question is like, just if you like, just like your most influential book and what you learned from it or a book that you have been, you would gift the most. So I guess along those lines, just any movie, podcast, book, just anything that you took a ton of value from and would either suggest someone else to listen or watch and just what would the, the lesson be there? Um, damn, I actually don't have an answer for this one. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I listen, you know, like I listen to Rogan on the podcast and, and things like that, but I don't really have any, uh, huge motiv motivational ones, um, that I really get into. Got it. Might, have, might have to clip it, clip this part out of the, uh, out of the interview. Yeah. No, that's all right. It's, uh, <laughs> natural. This is, these things happen. I'm a huge, I'm a huge Rogan guy. Sometimes I joke that, that Joe Rogan is like my, my pseudo father. I feel like he's like taught, like I've learned a ton from him, but any, any favorite guests or, or anything that you love about him or anything like that? Um, no, no, I just, I really like the variety of people that he has on, you know, like I, I like, um, you know, he has motivational speakers, he has political people, he has, you know, dietitians, and, you know, he has every, every aspect of life, um, you know, that people are interested in on his, uh, on his podcast. So and they're all, they all seem like world-renowned uh, people, so all, all good people to listen to and, and take advice from, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's cool. Podcasts are pretty cool. You get to hear some, some interesting stuff from some uh, very interesting people. Um, Karen McArdle. What? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess we'll wrap up. We'll hit them with the last couple questions, Sam. Yeah. Um, just – Day-to-day -day life, looking back, most purchase under $100 that brings you the most joy or benefit? Oh, that's a good question. Um, under 100 I'm trying to look around right 
Probably my dog. <laughs> my dog over there. She's always happy whenever I come in the door, and she brings me a lot of joy. So she's under a hundred dollars. She was, yeah. She was a rescue, so we got wow. her nice and cheap. Wow. Nice. <laughs> good experience for you with rescue um somewhat a lot of vet bills i was gonna say i've heard some yeah. like iffy, iffy experiences yeah she's you know she's got like a lot of different like problems or you know small smaller problems but it uh it always costs a lot at the vet so that's never fun yeah yeah all right and then i guess Kyrie, you billboard before besides billboard you're thinking it. So you think? All right, Karen, if you could put put something on a billboard for billions of people to see every single day besides a picture of your dog, what uh what would you put on there? Um let's go. <laughs> some good questions. These are tough. Uh let's go with play lacrosse. Play lacrosse? <laughs> That'll be a way to, uh, you know, get these fans in the, in the stadium for sure. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Any publicity, good publicity. There you go. <laughs> All right. Awesome. I think it's uh, Here. wrapping up. Yeah. All right, guys. Time, man. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Karen, thank you. It was man. great. All right, guys. All right, Kier. Talk, Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Might need to stay on your couch at one point. <laughs> it's always open. Love it. <laughs> Later. All right. All right.